Welcome, fellow wanderer, to the Wanderlust Enabled Podcast, presented by Resetting Joy, your go-to life and travel coaching company. I'm your host, Cheryl Burke, founder of Resetting Joy and self-proclaimed Wanderlust Enabler. This podcast is dedicated to sharing information and inspiration to fuel your wanderlust and inspire you to embark on your greatest adventures yet. In this little audio oasis, we're all about real talk, boosting confidence, and having fun to help you soak up every life-changing aspect of travel. Ready to take off on this adventure with me? Let's get started. Welcome, fellow wanderer. Today, I want to talk about the what ifs and the scary things that keep people from traveling. But I'm going to guess that if you are listening to this podcast, you are great at dreaming up vacations of all kinds. The thing is that immediately after we dream something up, we think of everything that could possibly go wrong. I think there's two reasons for this. One, We are hardwired with a negativity bias, which means that we give more weight and more energy to negative thoughts, negative words, and negative experiences than we do positive ones. And we know this even before it became a concept that was widely discussed. Everybody's heard the, it takes 10 attaboys for every, oh shit. And it does. You make one mistake and you dwell on it. And you have to do something perfectly 10 times to feel as though you're capable. That's not true. You are capable anyway, but that's how it feels. And this makes sense evolutionarily. Good things are nice. It's nice to have to feel good and have good things, but the bad things can actually kill us. So we better make super sure that we watch out for and anticipate the bad things. However, we are no longer being chased by wild animals, but our bias towards negativity stands. A modern take on this would be that taking everything on faith or assuming that everything's going to turn out just fine seems naive to us. Have you ever met somebody who just seems really happy all the time and you were suspicious of them? You think that either they are faking it or that they're not really paying attention. They've got their head in the clouds. So there are reasons why we worry as soon as we finish dreaming, sometime before we finish dreaming. So we're talking about fear and doubt today. So you've heard it before that doubt kills more dreams than failure ever will. So yes, there are reasons why people dream things up that they cannot go. Money and responsibilities, for sure, real things, but also fear. So what are some of those common fears and how do we work around them? Because if we don't come up with a reason to work around them, then they just get to live forever. So The first one is, I don't want to go overseas. I don't want to go far from home because I don't know what to expect. It's the fear of the unknown. And it really comes up in people when they're talking about going overseas. People are also worried about 
being scammed or having a language barrier or what if it costs too much or what if I run out of money? What happens if I lose my passport? How do I even get a passport? What if I go all the way over there and I miss something? What if I get lost? I'm in a foreign place. I don't know how to do things here. What, what do I do? So I'm going to take those on one at a time. So in terms of fear of the unknown, yes, it's true. You go to a foreign place, you don't know exactly what to expect. I'm going to offer to you that you don't really know what tonight's going to hold either. I mean, you have your plans and you know how it usually goes, but we're not a hundred percent sure what's going to happen. So we live with the unknown a lot more often than we're willing to admit. And a lot of the unknown can be known before you go. This is where research comes in. This is where talking to friends or family members who have been to wherever it is you want to go comes in. You could read a book from somebody who's been there. You can go down a very careful YouTube trail on the place that you're looking to visit. Obviously, just about anybody can put anything they want on YouTube. So you have to pick and choose, but you can learn things from those who've been there. And we as humans super love a firsthand experience and people relating their experience to us. So if you're very concerned that, I don't know, I don't know what to expect, learn from people who've been there. That'll settle the worry a little bit and hopefully get you excited about going, which then makes it much more likely that you will go and have the experience and do all of the things you really wanted to do so that at the end of your life, you don't look back with regret that you did not. People are worried about scams. Yes, yeah, if you will go to a place that is heavily touristed, there's a chance that you're going to run into somebody who's trying to scam you. Yep, 100% true. These are also available. This information is also available from people who've been there. Talk to folks who've, who've visited the area, read some articles online about common scams in the area. Uh, anytime you see a beware pickpocket sign, resist the urge, friends, to pat every pocket that has something valuable in it. Because the pickpockets are watching you do that, and then they're going to try to come after you. So maybe invest in something that you can wear across, across your body and has lockable zippers and you'll be fine. And just pay attention. If you want a list of scams or you have questions about that, I can certainly write something up and put that on my website. They do change, but mostly it's people are trying to distract you by either asking you to sign a petition, giving you something that they pretend is a gift that actually marks you as a person who is who is to be pickpocketed. Don't take flowers from people. If you notice chalk or tape on somebody's backpack, take it off. If somebody throws something at you, don't catch it. If somebody tries to put a bracelet on your arm, take it off and hand it back. And if they won't take it back, drop it on the ground and walk away. There are things that people will do, but if you go in knowing 
what some of the more common issues are. You can see them for what they are at the beginning and just get yourself out of it. The other really easy way to avoid this is to avoid the very touristy areas, particularly at the most crowded times. If you're worried about a language barrier, I would say good, actually, because that means you're going to go somewhere else outside of your home country. And that, to me, is very exciting. But if you are worried about a language barrier, there's lots of things you can do about that. One, depending on where you're going, you actually may run into a lot of people that speak enough English to help you. Two, your phone probably has a translation app on it. And most translation apps that you either come with your phone or that you can download allow you to then download a language or two or three or however many you want to your phone for offline use. You could go old school with a phrase book. You could also do something like um, a Babel or a Duolingo or a Rosetta Stone. Of the three, I've actually tried all three. I would prefer Babel. It's, I think it works better for me, but you do you. Try to learn a little bit of the language so that when you're interacting with people at a shop or at an airport or at a train station or in a restaurant, you have some idea of what they're asking you. And then just go with it and see what happens. Most of the time, somebody around, if there's really an issue, is going to speak enough English to be able to help you. But you're going to have the best experiences if not everybody you meet is fluent. So if you walk off the beaten path a little bit, you'll have a little bit more of a language barrier, but you will have a richer experience. And it's okay if there's a little something lost in translation every once in a while. So use the app, use the phrase book, use, you know, try to try to do some sort of um, made up sign language for trying to explain what you want if you need to, or ask if there's somebody around that can help you. Obviously, learning the language itself would be the most helpful, but it depends on how much time you have before your trip. If you've always wanted to learn it, start now. It'll be fun. In terms of money, if you're concerned that the trip is going to cost too much, do some research. How much are flights? How much are transportation? Is Are you going to rent a car? Are you going to take trains? Are you going to take buses? What are you going to do? How are you going to get around? Where are you? Where would you like to stay? How, which kinds of attractions do you want to go to? Are there tickets? What do they cost? What's the average cost of meals per person in the places that you want to go? Are any of them included in your lodging? Do the research, put it together. You've probably heard me say on this podcast before, I love a spreadsheet. That's how I would do it. You do you. Put it together and come up with a number. Now you have actual data. And you can say, okay, yeah, actually that is too much for us this, this summer. I, we can't afford that. Fine. But now you have a goal and you can save towards it and you can work towards it. If you're concerned that you're going to run out of money, again, the research is helpful and just keep track of the costs. Yes, vacations cost money, 100%, but there are a lot of ways to corral those costs based on 
when you fly, when you book tickets, when you book attractions, there's a lot of, you can save a lot of money by doing things earlier. So having a long lead time is really helpful. What happens if your passport goes missing? This is something again, that you plan for ahead of time. Before you leave, you have a copy of it. You could do a paper copy or you could do an electronic copy, copy that's stored somewhere on the cloud, but just make sure that it is heavily encrypted wherever you store it. So that if you lose all of your things, you could still access that document. Because then what you're going to do is you're going to make an appointment with or go to the, but usually you have to make an appointment, the consulate or the embassy nearest you to get a new passport. The photocopy or the file will not get you home. It won't. However, having that will help expedite your passport, the your new passport being issued. Obviously, you have to have that before you get home. The other thing about passports is they never, ever, ever, ever go in seat back pockets or anywhere that you might forget them. If you want to use the safe in your hotel room and you feel that that's a good way to do it, go ahead. But one of the best things I've seen people suggest, I've not done it because I don't usually leave my uh, passport in the hotel safe. But if you if you do, depending on where you're staying and how you how you work with everything, go ahead and do this. They leave one of their shoes in the safe with the passport or anything else they put in the safe. Because you'll notice if you only have one shoe, even if it's not the pair you're planning to wear, you will notice that you're missing one and go find it. If you're really concerned about it, get a money belt, put it in the money belt, the money belt goes under your clothes. Ta-da, can't get lost, can't get stolen, nobody knows you have it. What if you're concerned that you're gonna miss something? Okay, again, research. What's there? What time does it open? Here's the thing. A lot of museums are closed one day a week or two days a week, usually one. A lot of attractions in general, but museums are famous for this. And they're not closed the days you will always think. So if you look ahead, if you look at it ahead of time, you can find out when they're closed and then you can plan your time in that city accordingly. If you want to go to the Louvre, I believe it's closed on Tuesday, don't have your explore big explore Paris day on Tuesday when you're planning to go to the Louvre you will get there and there won't be anybody there you can look at the outside it's pretty but the art's all inside however at least at one point they were open late on Wednesday which meant if you showed up at six o'clock on Wednesday it was open for another three hours and everybody else was gone for the day and you could have it to yourself fun times but I can tell you that when we visited the Mona Lisa, the only thing that was between us and her was the rope. There was nobody else in the room and it was amazing. So do some research and make sure that the things that are deal breakers are worked into your schedule. What if you're worried about having a bad time? That comes down to what is important to you and what you need out of this vacation. Do you need downtime? If so, a full tilt, minute by minute itinerary for the entire week is not for you for this trip. The next trip, do it, do your thing. 
but it's not for you for this trip. Maybe you run full tilt one day and then you rest the next. Maybe your mornings are busy and your afternoons are, are lighter. If you have dietary restrictions, you want to look up where to buy things ahead of time because in other places you may or may not be able to get things as easily as you might here in the States. And in some places it will be easier to get what you need than it is in the States. It depends on what your needs are and where you're going. What is it in terms of having a bad time? What is it that you need to make sure that you're comfortable, healthy, feel well enough to do what you want to do? And then what specifically do you want to do? And how do you structure your trip around that? Those, those deal breaker things or those big events are what I refer to as tent poles. They're the things that hold up your trip. But if you've ever seen a, you know, a tent that gets held up, the ones in the middle, there's only two or three of them. I mean, obviously there's tons around the outside, but the ones I'm talking about are the ones in the middle. There's only two or three. There aren't 50 because then there's nowhere to move. You can't see anything. So choose your high points, choose one or two big things you're going to do a day and then allow yourself some space to wander. It'll give you a clearer headspace, but also if something happens or if there's a delay of some kind, you've got some wiggle room. And I know that we don't ever want to think of something going wrong on a vacation, but it might, you are out in the world. This is a real place. It's not, you're not at manufactured magic. It's a real place with real people and things happen. So you do need to build in a little bit of space for, for issues. What if you get lost? Well, um, luckily, we are now in an age where your cell phone probably works wherever you're going to go. Make sure that you understand how to set up your cell phone so that you are paying an appropriate amount of money to use your data, as opposed to roaming the entire time and coming home to a phone bill that costs a fortune. That's one of the common mistakes that people make, and it's actually addressed in the smart travelers checklist that I'm going to, that I'm going to link to in the show notes for this episode. There are several things. There's 10 common issues that people have and it's, it's free. So go ahead and, and find it for yourself. Anyway, getting lost. You have a cell phone. Your GPS probably works pretty much anywhere you're going to be. If you are going further afield, that's going to take more research. If you are going further afield, you might also want a guide. In some places, you're required to have one. But since most people who travel abroad and are nervous about things from the States and the people that I come into contact with are going to Europe or Japan, your cell phone will work. You just need to know how to make it work properly for you. The other thing that I suggest that people usually get nervous about is they don't want to take public transportation because they think they're going to get lost or they think they're not going to understand how to do it. Here's a little trick. And maybe you already know this, but a lot of people don't. Again, you can go to YouTube and some kind soul out there has made a video in the last three years, usually in English 
that shows you how the system works, how to buy a ticket at a subway station or at a, a machine. You can get transportation tickets in machines almost anywhere. Some of them are still individual tickets. One at a time, you have to have a ticket for the ride there and the ride back. And a lot of them are going to plastic or now paper cards, heavy paper cards that have got that you can use with a proximity reader to either get into the train stations or out of the train stations or on and off buses and things like that. So there will be a video on YouTube that shows you how to do it. I would suggest that when you look for the, when you look it up, you watch three or four because people are going to make mistakes or they're going to be outdated or they're going to not have quite the same situation that you are or have a different understanding of how it should work. So they might skip a step that you don't know is there. So watch three or four of them. They're usually anywhere between three and 10 minutes long and make some notes. And then now you understand how it works so that when you get there, you don't get all nervous. Like I can't do this, forget it. I'm just going to hail a taxi everywhere we go. And again, that costs you more money. The more that you can act like a local and blend in, the richer your experience is going to be. The reason I like public transportation is, well, obviously it's greener, it's less expensive. And especially when it comes to train, like subway systems, it doesn't matter what the gridlock is on the streets above, you can keep moving. Now, obviously trains have their own trouble. Their, uh, subway systems have their own troubles, but you can do it. And generally speaking, they run really well. And when you're on vacation, you tend to be coming and going at slightly different times than rush hour, which means they're not as crowded as they might be when everybody's trying to go to and from work. You can also use Google Maps is usually pretty good. Uh, Apple Maps is usually pretty good. Honestly, if you have an Apple phone, I would suggest you have both of them on your phone because sometimes they don't agree and one of them is right and one of them is very wrong. And it's never in the same order. So I can't tell you use this one over that one because I've had each of them be right while the other one was mistaken more than once. And the other thing you can do, of course, is you can ask people how to get where you want to go. I would write it down, though. Um, I don't know about you, but when someone gives me directions, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. And I get the first two things, and then I stop listening. Not on purpose. <laughs> it's just I'm trying to remember the first two things, and then I'm not catching all the rest of it. So have them write it down. If you plan to drive somewhere, especially if you plan to rent a car overseas, two things. One, you need an international driving permit. And two, unless you're, by the way, unless you're renting a car somewhere where English is the primary language, then you don't usually. And an, an international driving permit translates your license class to other languages. So it'll say this person is allowed to drive a passenger car only. So, you know, any car or truck or anything that you could rent would be fine, but they can't rent you a commercial vehicle. You can't get a big box truck somewhere else. That's all it really does. But you need it if you're going to rent a car in another place. You can rent from them, the rental car agency, a GPS as well. 
that it has the updated maps for that country. If you're really concerned about using your cell phone as your GPS for any number of reasons, you can rent one from them. If you are planning on going out into out into the wilderness somewhere, you might really consider this because fewer people mean fewer cell towers. The Highlands of Scotland, the northern portions of, you know, the, the Nordic countries, some portions of Iceland, some portions of Canada, um, and the U.S., I mean, there's there's a section within the U.S. that um, if you're on the train, they refer to as the land where time forgot. You're in a section of, of the Appalachian Mountains where there aren't really very many people, so there aren't cell towers. So in the States, you can lose cell coverage. So you might want something that relies more on a satellite than it does a cell tower. Again, a little bit of research will help. Contact somebody who's been there before. Contact somebody like me who can help you with the research. Do it yourself. Whatever you need to do to make sure that you understand how to get where you need to go. Now, if you do get lost, and if you rent a car in a foreign country, I'm going to guess you are going to get lost at least once. Take it for what it is. You'll find your way back. It'll be a funny story. Just giggle about it and move on. Though, if you are really concerned about this, one... Try not to drive at night, especially early on in the trip. You want to get really comfortable with driving there and how things work. And two, if, especially if you're going to be driving on the opposite side of the road, I wouldn't rent the car from the airport. I would stay in the city that you land in for two or three days at least, and then rent the car. You can rent it from the airport. Just don't do it that first day. You want to you wanna get your feet under you a little bit before you go ahead and rent a car that you're going to drive on the opposite side of the road. You need, you need to have your wits about you and getting off a plane at seven in the morning where you didn't sleep well the night before, probably not a great plan because that seven in the morning feels like two or 1 a.m. to you. So set yourself up for success. I think maybe I skipped the biggest one above. So let's get into it now. What if I get sick or hurt on vacation? This one also takes some pre-planning. And the easiest thing for you to do, if you're concerned about really getting sick or hurt or having some sort of dental issue or something like that, is to get travel insurance. You can get independent travel insurance that will cover everything from a delayed flight to lost baggage to dental coverage, hospital stays. It will cover the cost to get you out of the country should there be an issue, a major issue that is of some kind. Uh, it will even get you home if you pass away overseas. Obviously, we hope that doesn't happen. We hope none of this happens. Another reason that you want the travel insurance is because the travel insurance comes with a company. And that company has a 24-hour phone number that you can call for help finding a dentist or a hospital or wherever you need because your health and dental insurance and your car insurance, by the way, do not work overseas. 
what you'll probably have to do is pay for your treatment or whatever you need at the time of service and then file a claim later on, but it should be covered. But that's why you want to call the insurance company either before you go to a hospital or a dentist or while you're there just just to get an understanding of the paperwork they're going to need to reimburse you. If you get sick and it's not bad enough to send you to a hospital, plan ahead just a little bit. Bring two or three days of your favorite cold medicine. Bring some allergy medicine if that's an issue for you. Uh, Bring enough to get you to a point where you can go find a pharmacy. There will be a pharmacy and it won't be a problem. Even if you're in a big city, though, it may not be open as long as you expect it to be. And a lot of places are closed on Sunday, like fully shuttered. They do not open. So you want to have at least two days. I usually recommend three days of whatever it is that you need to get you through so that you could go get more. You don't want to have to bring every kind of product for that you could possibly need for a full 10, 15, 20 day trip. That's, that's just too much extra stuff to bring. You can buy stuff where you'll, where you're going, people live there. It's fine. But if you're concerned about that plan ahead a little bit, definitely bring a pain reliever of some kind, whatever your favorite one is. And also some cold medication if you're concerned. I could go on and on and on, but I try not to have these run too long. So if you have some fears or some doubts or some what ifs, I'm going to ask you to bring it out into the sunlight because the sunlight is the best disinfectant. And by bringing it out out into the sunlight, I mean, write down your concerns and then do some research, ask some questions. It's scarier in your head than it's going to be on the paper. And then once you start doing some research, it gets less scary from there. Know that if this is a place that a lot of other people have gone, if they can do it, so can you. There's no reason you can't go. Don't let the fear stop you. Go and take the trips that you're excited about. Plan them out for a few years if you need to, but go and take them because there's no substitute for experience. Obviously, this is something I feel passionate about. I hope that this has helped. Please contact me with specific questions, specific fears, anything that that worries you about traveling abroad, especially. You can contact me on my website at resettingjoy.com or you can email me here for the podcast at wanderlustenabled at gmail.com. Very creative email address, yes? Until next time, write out those fears and slash them one by one. Thanks for listening to the Wanderlust Enabled podcast. I'm your host, Cheryl Burke. I hope you got some inspiration and practical tips that will help you improve your life and your travels. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. As always, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Resetting Joy or on my website, resettingjoy.com. Until next week, I wish you fresh outlooks and grand adventures abroad or even in your hometown.